So I'm not going to lie, when I glanced at this text, first glance, I was like, whoa, that's a doozy. Um, but as, as, you know, began to study and, uh, and, and see just some, some really um, just solid things uh, for us to reflect on, to see um, and glean from, from this story. So um, we, need to, we need to remember and understand how the people that are following Jesus are processing who Jesus is and what he came to do. Um, it's so easy for us to look um, on this side of, of the story. You know, we have the complete story of what Jesus came and did. We have the whole Bible. Um, and we can look at it and see and say, man, what, like, why didn't they see this? How did they, how did they miss this? Um, but these guys were processing this in real time, right? They're hearing Jesus say these things that, I mean, most of it's all going over the top of their head. And they're like, I don't know. He's doing some crazy miracles, some cool stuff. Um, he knows the Old Testament scriptures, um, but for the most part, um, up until this point in Jesus' ministry, he's kept his plan, God's plan, for him to, to go to the cross um, and to suffer and die, um, mainly hidden. He alludes to it in, in chapter 12 uh, when he talks about the sign of Jonah, and he says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three, for three days and three nights, um, so will the Son of Man, so will I be in the ground uh, three days and three nights. Um, and again, like he's saying these things, and the, and the disciples are like, yeah, okay, okay. But for the most part, they're, they're not getting it. Um, there have been, there've been different things that they've seen um, and heard, but they, they're not connecting the dots. Um, they can't at this point. Um, so to understand this week's text, um, we have to remember last week's text. So last week, um, Jesus is, is with the disciples, and he pulls them, and he, and, he, and he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And the answer, they say, they say well, um, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Some people say Elijah. Some people say Jeremiah. Some people say one of the prophets. And he says, okay, who do you say that I am? And who speaks up first? Who's the one to answer? Peter. So Peter, he speaks up and he says, you, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And so Peter gets it right, right? Like there's this, 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 this sense of like, whoa, because Jesus' response is, Jesus' response is, blessed are you, Peter, um, for you, uh, for this, this has not been made, for this has been revealed um, not, not on your own, but by my Father who is in heaven. Um, and, and so, so Peter, Peter gets it right. And up until this point, this, this is, um, this, this acknowledgement of Jesus as, um, as the Son of God is different from other, other instances. Like in uh, a few chapters back when Jesus walks on water, um, the disciples have never seen anybody do that before, right? They see this miraculous um, miracle of Jesus walking on water, and their response is, truly, this is the Son of God, right? And so it's, it's almost like a camp high experience. There's a ton of emotions with it. And so this is different. Um, last week's text where Jesus asked, asked him, who do you say that I am? And there's no, there's no immediate it's not, it's not following this, this miracle or this magnificent thing that Jesus has done. Um, there's no emotion involved in it. Peter says, you, you're Christ. You're the son of the living God. Um, and, and so this, this is a little bit different. So now, the, Peter, Peter and the disciples know exactly who Jesus is now, but, but they're still not certain what his mission is, right? And we're going um, to see the tension in that, um, that, that, they, that they don't know um, what his, his mission is. So as, as we move into these next couple of verses, the mood is probably pretty high in the group, right? Like I, I picture the disciples like slapping hands, like, yeah, we, like we're, we're, with, we're with the Messiah. 
Like we, we know that Jesus is the Messiah and, and we're his closest friends, right? And so they're, 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 the, mood is, the mood is high. Um, and, and the question that I want to ask is how do, we, how do we get from these verses from last week where, where Jesus says, blessed are you, Peter, um, for God revealing this to you. And, and he also says, upon this rock, I will build my church. How do we get from that to get behind me, Satan? <laughs> That's, that escalated quickly, you know, it's like, whoa. So um, the disciples now know that Jesus is the Messiah. Um, as, as Jewish men, they're all Jewish men, they had grown up somewhat familiar with the Old Testament, and they'd heard the prophecies and the scriptures about uh, uh, this Messiah who would come um, and would save God's people. Um, the understanding of exactly what that Messiah would, would do um, and what the Messiah would accomplish was mainly misunderstood by everybody, not just the disciples, everybody. What, what they were expecting is not who Jesus was. Y'all, you guys seeing this? Um, they, they didn't connect the dots um, that Jesus is the one that Isaiah is referring to um, in, in, in Isaiah 53 um, about being despised and rejected and pierced and crushed for our sins. That was a prophecy about the Messiah. And so it, that, they didn't connect those dots when they heard Jesus, when, when they acknowledged and realized that Jesus is the true Messiah. They didn't remember that the Messiah was coming to be crushed and to die and to suffer um, for the payment of sins. Um, and this, min, this misunderstanding is shown very clearly in Peter's reaction to Jesus' plan. Um, so Peter and everybody else thought that the Messiah would set up this, this mighty kingdom on earth um, and that, they, that, that the Messiah would overthrow the Romans um, and, and, and liberate um, God's people. Uh, the, these guys were thinking that, man, we're, we're for sure on the up and up because, like I said earlier, like, we're, we're Jesus' closest friends. Um, and, and so if he's going to be king, like, we're going to be right there with him, right? And so they, they, they viewed that as, as, as them um, them being able to have, have a sense of status and, and pride in, in who they were. Um, up until this point, these, these guys really didn't, didn't have this. Um, but they, they were missing it, right? Like that's not who, that's not who Jesus was. That's not who Jesus, um, that's not what he came to do, the kind of king that he came to be. Uh, our kids' ministry uh, does this thing called the big, pic- the big picture question. Um, and so I'm going to ask our students, our I say students. Um, they are some of them are students, but our kids. If you're if you if you've been to kids club, you've heard the big the big picture question. I'm going to ask the question, and you guys respond loudly. Okay, we want to hear your response. So the big the big picture question um, for this week is how is Jesus the perfect king? Jesus is is the perfect king because he is the king of kings. He rules the universe as the king of kings. Good job. <laughs> Okay, so, um, but like I said, the, 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 the view that the disciples had of Jesus as king is, is not accurate, right? It's not in line with, with Jesus being the king of kings. Um, he came to set up a different, a different kingdom. Let's, let's look, let's read real quick uh, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day, be raised. So Jesus tells the disciples that three things are going to happen to him. Um, that, that he's, he's, he's gonna, there's going to be a time when he's going to journey to the capital city, he's going to journey to Jerusalem, and then he would suffer, be killed, 
and then be raised on the third day, right? Three, three different things. Um, have, have you guys ever um, had, maybe, maybe from a doctor or a friend or somebody kind of break bad news to you, something that you didn't, you didn't like to hear, something that was heavy, something that was weighty? Um, and, and most of the time when that happens, um, we kind of zero in on when we hear something that's upsetting. Uh, maybe we get a bad, bad diagnosis from a doctor. Um, and we zero in on that. And it's hard not to, right? It's hard not to, to just focus in on what we heard that was heavy and weighty. Um, and and we, we, we kind of forget or we, we don't really hear what happens after that, right? We're, we've zeroed in on this. Um, I, it seems as though Peter does this in this, in this situation, right? Because this is the same guy who just confessed Jesus as the Messiah, um, as, as Lord, um, and, and he hears Jesus say these three things, that he's going to journey, journey to Jerusalem, he's going to suffer, be killed, and be raised. And he zeroes in on what parts? The first two. You would think that he would focus in on, on the hope of it, right? That, that Jesus would be raised, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't be dead. But he's, he focuses in on Jesus suffering and dying. Um, and and th- this probably sounds super crazy to Peter based on what he, what he assumes um, and in, in his mind, what he envisions the Messiah to do, um, what, 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 what the Messiah's mission would be. Um, and here, here's a couple things that, that, Peter's, that are probably motivating Peter to, to approach and rebuke Jesus. The first is that he's, he's probably thinking, man, why, why would Jewish men make Jesus suffer, and why would they kill him? Like, we're, we're all on the same team. Like, I know these guys, and I know the fair, like, He's thinking, I know the Pharisees are jerks, but for the most part, like, we, we all want the same thing. We want, we want liberation. We want, we want a king to rule over us. We want Israel to be mighty. Um, and, and so why, like, why would these Jewish men kill, kill you? Um, and the second thing is Peter has no framework at all for Jesus suffering and being killed. Like, there's no, none. Like, that's not a part of his plan because... That, that the, the king that Peter is, is envisioning um, Jesus to be, he envisions Jesus to be the king of an earthly kingdom. And if, if an earthly king dies, they're no longer king over that kingdom, right? And so he's like, you can't suffer and die. Like, that's not, that's not what, that's, that's not the plan, Jesus. <laughs> and, and so Peter, being the bold man that we all know and love, um, he pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. And says, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. As if saying that would prevent Jesus from going to the cross and dying for the sins of many. Um, and, and so it, it's, it's, it's crazy to think, but we'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll connect some of these dots here in a second. It's as if Peter didn't even hear Jesus say the, the third part, right? That Jesus would, would, would later be raised. So the same guy who got it right, last week, a few verses before, gets it terribly, terribly wrong right here. And Jesus' response to Peter is, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So Jesus rebukes Peter's rebuke by telling him that his mind isn't set on the things of God, but on the things of man. So what, what are like we're reading this, and so we ask the question, what are, what are the things of God? Like what, what is Jesus referring to as the things of God? Um, if, we, if we remember back, it's been about a year, um, 
little over a year, back in chapter four, when Jesus begins his ministry, um, he, he continues to think, or he continues to teach um, all these different ways in which the kingdom of God is different from the kingdom of, of, of man. Um, we, we, we cover the Beatitudes in chapter five. I'm gonna read a couple for us. These, these are the things of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Later on in chapter 5, he says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In chapter 6, Jesus says, Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So over, and we, we can go on and on. Over and over, Jesus shows examples of how the kingdom of God is in contrast from the kingdom of man. Um, that, 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 that Jesus is better than the things of man. Over and over. So many different examples. And, and the disciples are hearing these things, right? They're hearing these things, but they haven't connected the dots yet. They haven't, they haven't connected um, completely um, God's plan in this. And Peter doesn't get it quite yet. He knows and he believes that Jesus is the Christ. But there are so many areas of, of Peter's mind and his heart that aren't set on kingdom things. And the same goes for us. Like when we read this story, we, we are Peter. There's, there's so many times, so often, our minds um, are set on the things of man, our plan and our vision, our, our uh, our desires, and not on kingdom things. So there's a couple different ways in which, in which our minds are set on the things of man and, and not kingdom things. The first is that we, we often forget that God is sovereign and that his plan's perfect, right? So Jesus, Jesus shared what God's plan was um, for him to, to go and to suffer and to die for the sins of man, and Peter didn't believe that that was a sovereign plan, right? Because he tried to correct Jesus. He said, no, 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 Jesus, you can't suffer. Like, that's not, that's not the plan. But Jesus, Jesus obeying the, the will of the Father, um, knew what the plan was. Knew that the plan was that Jesus would go to the cross and die for the sins of man. And Peter didn't believe that God's plan was sovereign and perfect, and so we, we also forget that God's plan is, is sovereign and perfect. We, we lose sight of that. It, it sounds really cliche to say that God has a perfect and sovereign plan, but it's true. This is not New Vision Nick speaking. Um, <laughs> side note, I had so many kids and parents say, like, is he talking about Nick? It's like, no, I'm not a heretic. I'm a lot of things, but not a heretic. Um, so... In all seriousness, God has a perfect plan, right? And so, so for us to set our mind on kingdom things is to understand that and to trust that and to set our mind um, on, on, uh, on the kingdom of God and, his, and, his, and trust his plan. The second way um, that we set our mind on the things of man and not kingdom things is that we, we often have expectations of Jesus that aren't accurate with Scripture, right? So... Peter had this expectation of Jesus to be a different kind of Messiah than what the prophecies had said that Jesus would do. And it was, it was not accurate with 
Scripture. Um, and so often, like, we, we create expectations of Jesus that, that aren't accurate with Scripture. Um, most of these are involved, like, if, 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 you, if you're honest with yourself, there are certain times that we believe that our, our obedience, um, like, we, we are owed something from God because we're obedient, right? It's a struggle in all of us. And, and these things that Peter um, is feeling and wrestling with is natural, we're not called to live in the natural, um, but the supernatural. And so it, it's easy for us to think that because we perform and because we walk in faithfulness and obedience that God uh, owes us to have a good marriage, to have balanced bank accounts, um, to have well-behaved kids, um, for, uh, for us to be healthy. There, there, there are so many different things um, so many different ways that we have placed expectations um, of Jesus that aren't aren't accurate with Scripture, right? The third the third way that we um, that we focus our mind on things of man and not the things of God is that our minds are focused on our own kingdom um, and and not God's kingdom. So your your kingdom might be free of any suffering. You might like a kingdom that 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 um, that, that you want. Just a simple, carefree, laid-back, free of any kind of pain or difficulty life, right? And that's an again, it's a natural thing. That's a struggle that we all have. Is is this some of these desires for this? Um, your kingdom might be one of power and control. If I can take control of my career and I can take control of my kids and my marriage and my health and all these things, then then I'm good, right? Um, your kingdom your kingdom might be one of pleasure and enjoyment I, I just want to I want to experience all the things and if there are anything that, that's going to anything that's going to get in my way of, of my pleasure it's not welcome in my kingdom right that, that may be your kingdom that you struggle with and so Peter Peter takes a really hard rebuke here show of hands anybody ever been called Satan no. Uh, so, yeah, really, really hard rebuke, right? Um, how many of us, if we were to take a rebuke like this, wouldn't just take our ball and go home? Get our feelings hurt. How dare you say that to me, Jesus? How many of us wouldn't just, just respond that way? I'm sure it stung a lot to have the Son of God call you Satan. But one thing that I, w- I want us to look at, and we, we, don't, we, don't have, um, we don't have like a response from Peter here in the text, um, but we do see that Peter's still there, right? Peter's, it doesn't say that Peter left. It doesn't say that Peter fell off. Um, Peter's still there. Like Jesus rebukes him, and what does Peter do? He presses in. He continues to struggle. He continues to get it wrong, right? Like we're going to see as we continue in the book of Matthew, Peter, Peter's going to end up denying Jesus not one time, but three times. Right before that, he slices a dude's ear off as they're trying to arrest Jesus. Um, Peter struggles. He continues to struggle, but he continues to press in. He continues to, uh, to pursue Jesus, um, because of Jesus, there's hope for Peter. 
And because of Jesus, there's hope for us as well, right? Remember we said we're, we're Peter in this story. And so there's so many times where we get it wrong, but our, our response shouldn't be to take our ball and go home. Our, our response shouldn't be um, to be apathetic and to fall off and to say, man, this is too hard. It's too hard. It, our response should be to press in, to press in, to continue, continue to struggle, um, but to press in to Christ. I want us to fast forward a little bit in Peter's life and ministry um, and look at Acts chapter 2. For me, this, this brings a ton of, of hope when we look at the Peter in, in, uh, in Matthew 16 and we look at Peter in, in Acts 2. Acts 2.22 is where we're going we're gonna to start reading, read a couple verses. So the Holy Spirit has come on uh, those at, at Pentecost and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and Peter begins to kind of explain, because they're like, man, are these guys drunk? Like, what's going on? Why are they acting like this? He begins to preach um, and explain um, what, is, what has happened and, and who Jesus is. Look at, look at verse 22. He says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Peter just quoted what, what Jesus said he was going to do. And Peter said, far be it from you, Lord, that that should ever happen. And God has transformed Peter's heart to where he, he, he now, and he's seen the plan in full, and now Peter's preaching that gospel, that Jesus came to suffer and die for his people. Look at verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and those that were added that day we're about 3,000 souls. It's a different Peter. Look at, look at uh, Acts 4. Look at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name 
given among, in he, under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. Look at verse 18. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. And it says that they, they, they went on and continued to preach the gospel. Um, and it's a different, a different Peter. Um, he's, he's been changed. Um, he's been changed by pressing in. Um, and, 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 and so Peter, Peter continues to go on um, to, to author First uh, and Second Peter. I'm going to read a couple more verses. We can just see just some more, uh, some more change uh, in, in Peter. Peter. Peter's stance on suffering changes dramatically. When you, when you hold up Matthew 16, like the Matthew 16 Peter, to the Peter, the, the Peter who wrote the book of 1 Peter, um, his stance on suffering has changed dramatically. Why? Peter sees in full... Now that, that Christ's suffering was essential for our salvation. He sees that, that, that Christ's suffering was essential for our salvation. The gospel would not be good news if Jesus didn't die, right? There is no gospel if Jesus didn't suffer and die on the cross um, and be raised. And so Peter sees that now. Peter sees that this, this is the good news, that Christ died for our salvation um, he also sees that following Jesus will include seasons of suffering for righteousness' sake. So what, what's that look like for us? Well, sometimes, sometimes we'll suffer for doing good, right? That's a, hard, that's a hard thing to wrestle with as a Christian, that you will suffer for doing good. It makes sense if you suffer for doing bad, right? If you do something wrong or evil and you suffer for it, but Peter says, like, you follow Christ, like, you, you will suffer for doing good. Um, look at 1 Peter 2, verse 20. For what credit is it when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Look at chapter 4, verse 14. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of God, the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. So sometimes for, sometimes for us, for believers, we, we will suffer for doing good. So adults, sometimes, sometimes you'll, be, you'll be faced with a choice, um, maybe with your job or your friends or people you do life with, where you're ridiculed 
because of what you value and what you stand for and decisions you make and the things that you, um, the, the way you set up priorities um, with, within your life. Maybe you get overlooked for a promotion because um, you, don't or you don't approve of or take place uh, in unethical practices. But what, is, what does Peter say when, when you're reviled, when, when people talk about that? Jesus' response was he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. So kids, listen up. There are some times where you do the right thing, like you obey your parents, you obey God, you do the right thing, and you'll be, sometimes your friends will treat you poorly for that. Sometimes they'll make fun of you, they'll say mean things. Um, there, there will be seasons where if you, if you do the right thing, people, people will, will get mad at you, say, say bad things about you. Um, but what did Peter say? If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. So in your obedience, you're bringing glory to God. Teenagers, Peter talks a lot in in 1 Peter about um, being exiles and sojourners in this world. What's an exile? An exile is is somebody who uh, is living in a place that's, that's not their home. Um, they're in a sojourner, somebody who's passing through to another home. Um, you're a sojourner, a person passing through on a way to a different place. And Peter reminds us that Jesus was rejected by men, right? There were, like the scriptures, we, we read that where Jesus was rejected, he was despised, he was hated. Um, and Peter says that, that you'll, you'll be rejected as well. Like if you, you hold to truth, you walk in obedience um, if you, you will suffer for righteousness sake, like you'll suffer for doing good, but it's better to do good and bring glory to God um, than, than to not. And so, teenagers, you're, you're, you're presented time and time again um, with, with decisions and, and um, the, the chance to align your values in life and what, what your, your worldview is teaching you. Um, with, with what is in line with God's truth um, or in line with the world. Um, and, and following God's truth, obeying God's truth, um, will, will, bring, um, will bring suffering. And the second, second thing that, that, that Peter shows us is that sometimes it's the will of God that, that we suffer. Um, suffering is, is a... Uh, it's not something that we as, as Christians get a free pass on, right? Like we're, just because we follow Christ, that doesn't mean we're not, we're exempt from suffering. Um, if you look at, any kind, anytime I have a conversation with somebody who, who has more of a uh, prosperity gospel type theology, um, this, this is where I go every time. You look at the, the life of the disciples after Jesus left. They didn't live lives of prosperity on earth, right? They, they suffered. They were killed. But, but they pressed in. They were, they were faithful. Um, we ask the question, why, why would a good God will that his followers suffer? 
Paul in Romans 5 says, he says, suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. And so we trust that God is sovereign and that he uses our suffering for his glory. Our trust in his plan shows that he's a good God, right? Because we trust him no matter what happens. We just sang that song, It Is Well. Whatever my lot, it is well, it is well with my soul. Our reward is not in this life, but in the life to come. Um, there's a pastor, author, John Piper, in many of his books, uh, he uh, refers to this, this phrase, uh, this quote that he has like framed up in, in, his, in his house, um, and it's by a guy named Charles Studd, um, it's a cool name, I've never heard of him other than this, um, Charles Studd, but it says, only, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Let me say that one, one more time. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And so my challenge for us is that we, when, when we are faced with um, wrestling with, am I, am I setting my mind on the things of, of, of God, on God's kingdom, or am I placing my expectations, my kingdom, uh, ahead of, of God's um, that we would press in, that we would trust that God is sovereign, that he's in control, um, and we would, we would see him as a good father, and we would press in um, and be faithful. Peter so often is the, the brunt of our biblical jokes. You know, we're like, oh, Peter, he's always putting his foot in his mouth, and here he goes again, you know. But, but Peter, Peter is such an example of God's grace and perseverance in our obedience. Peter got it wrong a lot. A lot, right? And he struggled. But he continued to press in, and God transformed his mind and his heart to think on kingdom things. And so as we press in, as we, as we gather together to worship, to open up the word, and, and, and to sing songs and remind ourselves to reorient our hearts on the things of God, as we go to community group, as we live life in community and on mission like those things, those are ways that we press in, that we press in. Why, why do we do it? Why do we press in? We want to be faithful to the end, right? We want to finish well. Peter finished well. And so that, that, should, be, that should be our goal as well. So let's, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we thank you for your word. Um, yeah, we thank you that you are sovereign, that you... Uh, God, that you have a plan. Father, we, we admit that we, so often we don't understand it. Um, God, sometimes we question it. But God, we pray you give us grace. Father, we pray that, um, God, you would help us to trust you, to press in. God, that we would be faithful. Um, God, that we, when, when rebuked, when corrected, God, that we would not fall away, but God, we would continue to press forward, God, for our joy and for uh, your glory. And so, God, we pray that you would reorient our hearts to the things of God and not the things of man. Um, 
So God, we, we acknowledge that only you can do that. God, we can't muster up uh, enough effort to try and produce righteousness in and of ourselves, but God, you do that in uh, and through the Holy Spirit uh, at work within us. And so God, we submit that to you and trust you and pray that you do that. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen.